Wave bye-bye, boys. He's over for the score. Coming up next on Rugby Wrap-Up, George Hook, Brian Ray, Steve Lewis, and Matt McCarthy talking Rugby World Cup. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by The Balanced Palette, Nutrition for Peak Performance, and Big & Whistle on West 36th Street, the world's best rugby pub. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy and Steve Lewis at the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 for week 107, Stephen, of our show. Staggering, staggering. Staggering. And what's more staggering are the guests that we get on this show. And on this particular one, we have not one, but two global superstar pundits calling in in George Hook. Hello, George. Good evening to you. It's... uh... Uh, five hours different in Ireland, but I'll do my best to stay awake. Much appreciated, George. He is in Dublin, folks. And then up in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland. Where is it, Brian? <laughs> Nova Scotia, where that hurricane just hit. So we're still putting ourselves back together up here. All right. For the folks at home that don't know, that is Brian Ray, the Brian Ray of America's Rugby News. Uh, and we, our thoughts go out to the people up there, Brian. Let's get right down to our topic of today. You know, the residency international thing that's going on. You know, we had that whole blow up last week with Joe Schmidt not selecting Devin Toner. George and I spoke about that. But I wanted to bring you two into this. And Steve, why don't you take the first shot at this? Right. So just a bit, a bit of context. What we're discussing is international eligibility. And so currently, the law is three-year residency. So you can, uh, you can move countries, and provided you spend three years there, you can qualify for that country. Many people, myself included, think that is uh, ridiculous. Uh, Agustin Pichot has um, voiced this and one of the few things with which I agree with him. And so World Rugby is changing its three-year residency to a five-year residency from uh, December of next year. So not in place for this World Cup, but will be in place thereafter. So that's the issue. Um, Certain people are okay with residency, certain people aren't. Uh, I am all for Olympic rules, sevens rules, which George will hate, but it's, to me it's about citizenship. You're either Scottish or you're not. Um, you're either American or you're not. So I, I believe, I don't see the point of residency. I mean, I see the point of if you're a coach and those are the rules you can bend, but from the purposes of the game, I believe it should go straight citizenship. All right, before, I'm going to throw it to George next because you did bring him up and he's not a big fan of sevens, but... Are you talking about the UK sevens in Olympic matches? Because, no, uh, well, you know, each one of those countries, that's a whole different issue. That's a whole different issue. That's, that's politics. We don't need to get into that. We don't need to encourage George there. But um, <laughs> the purposes of this, what, what is the benefit of residency? Unless you're Scotland, you don't have any props, and you need to, you need to look at South Africans, which they've done. Um, I just believe it should, go, should be the same as sevens. Let's go to the Olympics, citizenship, make it easy. All right, Mr. Hook, what say ye? Well, first of all, the research, I think, is utterly flawed because he's mixing uh, two unmixable components. One in this, he talks about residency, and the other one, he talks about people who've qualified by parent. Now, I'm going to take Ireland. First of all, we've only got five, so that makes it easy. Two. Luke McGrath, number nine, Joey Carberry at number 10. Mrs. McGrath, 
follows her husband, a doctor, to Ontario to McMaster University, where he does a PhD or something. On the way, she has a baby in a taxi cab. Are we seriously suggesting you should pay for Canada? The McGraths go all the way back to St. Patrick. He then comes back with his baby son in his arms, and the kid is playing for Ireland. That is completely different. Joey Carberry born in New Zealand to a father and mother from a little village called a Thai in Ireland. He comes back aged 11, enrolls at Ulskolna Trinoida, which to non-Gaelic speakers is the Holy Trinity School. He's as Irish as Paddy's pig, and he plays for Ireland. That's two out of five, and they should always play. Brendan Mullen's parents were diplomats. He was born in Tel Aviv. Are we seriously suggesting he should have played for Israel? Parentage is fine. Now let's look at Stander, Klein, and Bundyaki, who literally just came over here on the boat, spent a couple of years, well, three years here, and lo and behold, within two days, two days, Klein is on the Irish team. How much are we playing Klein? We're paying him four million rand a year. Now, when he goes back to Johannesburg, what will 4 million rand buy him? It'll buy him 60 apartments. It'll rent him 60 apartments in downtown Johannesburg. He'll get more bloody money, for God's sake, than Christian Bernard did for doing the first heart transplant in the Good Shore <laughs> Hospital. These three players come to Ireland and they come to Scotland, England and Wales for no other reason than filthy lucre. And we're paying them to do it. Now, if they were any good, you might say, well, you if know. we got Bowden Barrett, if we got Bowden Barrett or we got Dan Carter or something, I'd say, fine. We got a better centre than Aki. We've got a better second row than Klein. And we've got a better number eight than Standard. So we've got three run-of-the-mill journeymen who were paying a fortune to to hold Irish players, legitimately qualified Irish players, All right. off the team. All right, understood. I, I think that your, I think your stance is pretty well, pretty well clear to us. Uh, Brian Ray, I know that you're a little bit more open-minded in terms of welcoming players in because you're a Canadian fan. Is that or is that true, Brian? There's very few countries in the world that, that aren't uh, kind of living in a glass house when it comes to this kind of thing. Uh, you know, Canada, we've got Gordon McCrory, who's Scottish. We've just adopted Peter Nelson, who's got a, apparently a Canadian granny. You know, good for us. Uh, you know, in the USA, of course, AJ McGinty came over three years residency for, for school. Um, Will Hooley, American granny, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and to be clear, the, the whole point of the article uh, up on uh, up on our site uh, it isn't really to opine on whether what's good or what's not. It's just to identify, according to World Rugby's eligibility uh, requirements, who is a foreign player technically or foreign born and how they qualify for each show. I don't think anybody's suggesting that Jamie Heaslip or, or Luke McGrath aren't Irish <laughs> at all. Um, but I think from an opinion point of view, uh, I would agree with everybody that the three-year rule is way too short. Thankfully, they're shortening that. It's a shame that it's still around now. Uh, you know, how they go around fix it's gone to five years. How they go about uh, fixing it long-term, um, you know, avoiding other situations. I, I think it's it would be easiest to go to that uh, Olympic ideal. I think there's some problems as far as uh, gaining citizenship in, in different countries. They have different standards. So that's where the issue kind of arises with that. But I, I'd like to 
they're, they're getting rid of the three-year thing, which is good because we don't like to see these client situations where two days later he's into the national team. Or same with Josh Strauss for, for Scotland four years ago. Um, and, and I personally, I'd like to see them get rid of the grandparents rule as well, at the very least, if they're not going to completely whoa, whoa, change it. Whoa, that whoa, one to me is whoa, a stretch. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I'm a dual citizen of Ireland based on my grandparents. <laughs> that would ruin my chances well, of go. playing for the for the, for Ireland. I'm not, I haven't not given that up shame. yet. You know, okay, we're going to move it to five years. But New Zealand and England are getting players when they're 10, when they're 11, when they're 9, putting them into schools and, and raising them in their countries. That's not going to change. I think the teams that are going to get, or the nations that are going to get affected by this most, are the Tier 2 nations. Because you got guys that are hungry to play in the Rugby World Cup that realize they're out of the gate they're probably not going to make it for their t- their country. So they come over here or they go to Canada and they're playing there. And at least it's starting to change now, but at least our players were getting exposed to maybe some higher caliber player. Exposure to some... Yeah, man, I mean, there's no, there's no question at all that it's of benefit to, to countries like the U.S. in terms of picking up these players. So, absolutely. But what we're talking about fundamentally is the integrity of the international game. You want to see 15 Scotsmen against 15 Englishmen. Not 15 Scottish mercenaries against 15 English mercenaries. It's the integrity of the professional game. International tests. Are they between countries or are they between an amalgam of professional rugby players? I favor the former. You can fix it in the morning. You put Donald Trump in charge of the eligibility rules, and then nobody is going to cross borders to go anywhere. I mean, it's quite interesting that here we are waxing um, quite seriously about the eligibility rules. In 1948, C.B. Van Reinefeld, a good Afrikaner, played for Oxford University, won four caps for England. He had no relationship with the country Whatsoever. He went back to South Africa, captained their cricket team, and became a member of their parliament. So there's right. always been a situation where the rules have been bent. But it's not bending them anymore. What we're now seeing is a flood of change. And what are we seeing? We're seeing France, a club game where they are struggling in the first division to find a French qualified fly hat. There are probably only two. So what you're damaging is the integrity of the native game. And that's not that's for Ireland, and that's for France, and that's for a ton of countries. The only reason New Zealand uh, rapes the Southern Hemisphere nations is because Tongans, Fijians, and Samoans, driven by economic need and necessity, will always go to New Zealand and Australia. And, and again, it's the same thing. It's money, but we might feel a little poor, well disposed towards them because they are poor. But nevertheless, I'm with Steve so strongly. I want to see... Ireland play England, and I don't want to see uh, just, it's just, it, it will be a circus. Because right. if it's three South Africans today, it'll be 10 South Africans just in the last week. Munster are worried uh, that some of their players might get hurt uh, in, in, in the World Cup, so they could be short a player. What they do is just zip over to South Africa and sign some guy uh, to come over for three months. Yeah, but that's that's a professional. Uh, that's a professional team, though. That's a professional setup. That's a professional team. This is what global professional rugby is going to look like, particularly if the U.S. 
and the MLR really take hold, players are going to be going back and forth for the best contract. Then they can get some residency perhaps on the national side. But with this, that thing with, with Munster, it's not going to happen with the new rule because it kicks in in December. So I, I actually agree with George here on the, the meth, methodology and on, the, on um, Brian's article. You know, the, you know, Tonga and Samoa, they're up there 19 and 18, but that was, those were parents, people that had moved for economic reasons. Um, Scotland, if you look at Scotland, it says 14, but actually, you know, born in Hong Kong, John Barclay, same thing. You know, the, this whole issue of players playing, I mean, Granny Gate, right? So the, Dave Hilton uh, played prop for Scotland 39 times before they worked out his grandmother wasn't Scottish. <laughs> Shane Howarth played fullback for Wales. I mean, these weren't that long ago. This is 10, 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah. Um, we had the Kilted Kiwis, um, you know. When, well, when it's the don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's, it's just a nonsense, and it, it devalues it devalues the jersey, it devalues a cap, and it devalues the, just back to that word, integrity of the, of the competition. Well, it, you know, it's, it's a frustrating thing that we're going through this again here in 2019, but, uh, you know, I guess the incidents are becoming a little bit more isolated. You kind of feel for Danny Kerr, although, you know, form probably played him out, but you could use the ex- example of Dan Robson over in England, uh, losing out to Willie Hines, etc., uh, and certainly Devin Toner missing out to John Klein. But, you know, that's the way it is right now. Uh, rugby at its, at its core is a business, and, uh, you know, they don't owe anybody. The, the coaches, Joe Schmidt, doesn't owe anybody except to put the best team that he thinks is uh, is the best team for Ireland on the field. So, you know, in some respects, they, they don't they don't owe us anything in that regard. So it, I, it's kind of up to World Rugby to, to step in here and, and, and sort it out. Um, you know, thankfully, they got rid of a couple little parts of it and they're stretching it to five years. So, you know, hopefully All by right. 2023, we have a, a really representative uh, sides going and competing. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. We're going to take a quick break. I want to tip the cap to the Ramblin' Jesters for winning a spectacular Rugby Town 7s and $10,000 to go with it. David, Barry, and co., kudos to you guys. You did great once again. And kudos to Rugby Town USA and all the folks there out in Glendale, Infinity Park. We'll be right back with Steve Lewis, George Hook, and Brian Ray right after this. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle on West 36th Street. And we are back. Steve Lewis, George Hook, and Brian Ray. And I'm Matt McCarthy. Gentlemen, we left off uh, with a cliffhanger. We're going to pick our players to watch in this tournament. Steven? I'm going to start with the blonde bombshell from Hoyk, and I'm not talking Stuart Hogg. I'm talking Darcy Graham, who sounds like he should be in a Jane Austen novel. Anyway, the young Hoyt winger could break into this sort of well-established back three, Hogg, Maitland, and Seymour. I think he will. I think he's very exciting. He's got a sevens background. He's fast in his feet. He's a, he's a competitor, and I hope he breaks into the team, and I think he'll be the man to watch in the blue jersey with a thistle. He's certainly made his marketing staff happy with that, that hair. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get into his personal hair choices, but he's, you know. He's a, I, he's, I will. He's, I'm, he's, I'm he's a, a bold guy. He's, he's an exciting player. Yeah. He's the new hog. And speak, just another hair, quick hair choice. I think, is it, you, you're, you're is it talking, Hamish Watson? That's, you're talking about hair choices? I am. I'm, well, I'm, I'm jealous. George, you can empathize with me on this one, but... Is it Hamish Watson that's doing like the, the, the Brady Bunch afro now? I didn't see that. There's one of your back row guys. I think it's no, Watson. No, it's Dun- Duncan Taylor. Oh, Duncan Taylor. He's the center. Is, it, nah, is there two of them, though? Well, Duncan Taylor's the only one I know without. All right, it's probably Duncan Taylor. I, I got them confused. I beg <laughs> your pardon, Scotland. Uh, George, who's your guy? 
Well, you know, I'm picking an Irishman, not because there aren't other players to watch, but I think my pick may well be the most crucial guy in the entire World Cup of every team. And it's Johnny Sexton, the Irish number 10. If we are to go anywhere, and by anywhere, I mean even get out of the group, we need Sexton fit and well. Without Sexton, we are nothing. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, someone who some people might not even know. Uh, Aaron Wainwright, flanker for Wales. You know, he's only been playing the game for, I think, about four years. Um, just broke into Wales, I think, last year. He won his first cap or certainly got into the side. And really wouldn't be starting the back row if it wasn't for uh, Toby Falatau getting injured. But I think he's probably going to start on the blindside flank for them. Really hardworking flanker, intelligent guy. Just in constant motion, the guy is. I think he's going to have a, a breakthrough tournament for them and uh, really turn some heads. I'm going to go with Faf de Klerk from, from South Africa. George, you want to talk about a guy that could impact the entire tournament. It's this guy. If he goes down, you know, arguably over the last 18 months or so, he's the one, uh, one Springbok whose, play, whose level of play has not dipped. It hasn't dropped. He has played very well. And I think this guy, although he's, all, he's like five foot seven, five foot eight, has got the dynamic hairdo. Hairdo. I don't know. No, I'm not. I'm not impressed by his hairdo, but he's got the the dynamic skill set to change a game. I'm with Brian. I just want to pick someone who's uh, who isn't a household name as of yet. All right. And the question was players to watch. It wasn't the most influential, but we will get to that and more next week. Uh, gentlemen, final thoughts. I want to ask you guys: Who's the best fly half in the World Cup? George. Don't know. Um, I think the best fly half in the World Cup may be playing in the centre, and that's Farrell of England. Oh. I think Ford has made a super comeback in the warm-ups, which means that Eddie Jones may go with Ford and Farrell. Uh, why Why Farrell may... If you're going to talk about the best fly half, you're talking about a guy who can win matches for his team. And Farrell can win matches for his team. Uh, I think I, I dislike him in Intensely as a human being, uh, I admire greatly as a rugby player. And and for me, I think if England win the World Cup and they've got to be odds on to do it, they need Farrell to do it. And I play him at fly half in front of Ford. Give a nod to George here. I'm going to pick Johnny Sexton. I think uh, I absolutely agree that he's vitally important for Ireland. And on his game, I think he's absolutely uh, world class. Just an incredible competitor. Um, I, I agree on the Farrell thing very much. I think 20 years' time he'll be in jail as a serial killer, but uh, he's a good fly half. Um, Ford, Sexton, all these guys are good. Finn Russell from Scotland. AJ, obviously, is key to U.S. performing. Similar to the, the situation that George brought up, the best fly half could be playing fullback for New Zealand in Bowden Barrett. He's got to be in the, in the mix here. Yep. Getting back to Owen Farrell, I, I, I'm with you on that 20 years from now. He's got, have you seen him? Make, take a kick. You've I've seen, seen him. See what he does. Yeah. His warm-up. Looks like he's, all kick. he's missing is a trench coat, a roll of duct tape, and a Chevy van asking you if you want to go for a ride. Yeah. Right? No. <laughs> but the guy's good. Uh, all right, guys, we are basically out of time on this segment, but I just want to get final thoughts of the week from each of you. Try to keep it to 30 seconds, fellas. We have the school bell handy. George. I'm not looking forward to this World Cup. I'm not looking forward to young men damaging their bodies irreparably in order that the drunks in the grandstand can roar and shout. Rugby now is not the game I love. 
Uh, I'll watch it. I will watch it, you know, I'll watch Ireland, but I'm not sure I would watch it the way I watched in 87, 91, 95 and 99. Uh, This isn't a game for me anymore. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, partly because I'm going there, I'll be in Japan for three weeks during the pool stage, so uh, I just hope a typhoon doesn't hit. Although, if it's going to hit, maybe hit that uh, Canada-New Zealand game so we get that uh, long-awaited tie. You'll You'll get humidity and you'll get rain, but you'll be all right. Don't worry about it. And Steve will be there to take care of you, Stephen. Yeah, I too. I'm going to Japan, so I can't wait. I will be having an odd refreshment in the grandstands. As George would say, so I am. Uh, I am. I can't wait to go. It's um, it's a culmination of four years, best rugby players on the planet in one place for five weeks. Spectacle. I think the fact it's in Japan is fantastic. Can't wait for that. So you know that plane leaves in eight days. I'm packed. I'm ready to roll. Well, I, I'm still trying to get my ass over there. I, I was there scouting all the venues and checking out everything, and it's spectacular. It's a it's a rugby nation. It really is. And they have an infrastructure, they've got the trains, they've got restaurants, they've got flights, all of it's good. You're going to have a great time. And everybody, if you can still get there, you ought to, you ought to get there. Uh, and on that note, my friends, thank you, Mr. George Hook. Brian, thank you. Pleasure as always. Steven, as always, my friend. Look at him beaming. And, and I can't believe this This show, this was a first. We had Steve Lewis, Brian Ray, George Hook, and Gus P. Show all in agreement on one topic. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Only on Rugby Wrap-Up, ladies and gentlemen. On that note, Matt McCarthy for George Hook, Steve Lewis, Brian Ray from the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 in New York City, signing off.